You are listening to a sermon from Mission Point St. John. We hope this message encourages a deeper connection between you and Jesus, our Savior. Matthew 11, the first verse to the sixth, Jesus, the Bible says, and it came to pass when Jesus had made an end of commanding his 12 disciples. Oh, and as well, who enjoyed Sister Cassandra Powell? I said this afternoon, I said again, they call her and her husband my big sis and big bro in Ontario and all good things. You know that verse that says, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? They say, all good things come out of Ontario. <laughs> you can forgive me later. When Jesus had made an end of commanding his 12 disciples, he departed thence to teach and to preach in their cities. Verse 2. Now when John had heard in the prison the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples. And, and here's what he said to them. Are thou he that should come, or do we look for another? Verse 4, Jesus answered and said unto him, Go and show John the things which you hear and see. And verse 5 is where we'll pause for now. It is the blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. With the help of the Holy Ghost on this Saturday afternoon service, I want to talk to you from this title, I'm Still Standing. I'm Still Standing. Is that anyone's testimony this afternoon? God, I feel on the service earlier today, I changed my direction for today. and I, I just feel God wants to comfort some people in this place today to remind you of the fact that after everything that you have gone through, you're still here today. Why don't we close our eyes and pray before we get into the word. God, thank you for this service. Thank you for every person. God, thank you for every leader that is here today. God, we, we pray that you'd speak to our hearts, speak to our lives and minds today. God, we would not leave here the same way we came. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. There are some things about God that we seem to talk about more than others. The Bible says he is Jehovah Rapha, which means the Lord that healeth thee. We talk about the fact that God is a healer. We talk about all the time when, when people talk about God, we, we highlight the fact that he is also, he's not just Jehovah Rapha, but he's also Jehovah Jireh, which means the Lord my provider, that he's a God of provision. And we're, we're thankful at the fact that he's a provider. We're, we're thankful even today in this service, if I were to look around, I, I know there are testimonies that can say, I am a witness at the hands of God all, all over my life. I, I am a witness that, that God has healed me of a disease before. I, I am a witness that I, I felt like I could not make it through, but God 
provided for me. We serve a God. We, we talk about him all the time. We, we say, God, he, he's a deliverer. We, we talk about it in a, a lot of our services. And when we talk to people about God, we say that he can break every single chain on your life. It doesn't matter if it's physical. It doesn't matter if it's emotional. It doesn't even matter if it's spiritual. One call at the name of Jesus, we were singing it earlier, has power over every single stronghold and every single chain. But there's one thing about God that I think sometimes we, or I will say myself, I might lose appreciation for. And that is the fact that in order for God to do a miracle in your life and in my life, in order for God to come in and break the chains, and in order for God to come in and, and heal your mind or heal your body, the reality of it is, is that he kept us to give us the opportunity to encounter him in that way. If it wasn't for his mercy and his grace that sustained us to encounter him we would not have the opportunity to encounter him some of us in this place can testify that you were in a car accident and you should have lost your life but but somehow by God's grace and his mercy he kept you and and you could have died in fact you should have died and the statistics say you should have lost your life but but God's sovereignty covered you and and he kept you in a place that others would have lost your life uh, uh, some of us in this place can testify that you have attempted to commit suicide and you are going to take your own life and if you're honest with yourself the suicide attempt should have worked but but somehow by God's grace and his mercy he kept you and and you should have lost your life but, but somehow you're a testimony that says I'm still standing today some of us in this place have grown up in families where you were abused and molested, physically abused, mentally abused, emotionally abused. And the reality of it is, after everything you have gone through, you should not be here on this Saturday afternoon service, clothed and in your right mind. But somehow God, by his mercy and his grace, he kept you and you should have been crazy. But somehow you say, I'm still standing I'm still I'm still standing the reality of it is in the church is we don't look like what we've been through but somehow God's sustaining power has kept us to still be here look at the person beside you and say I'm still standing we don't just do this in our own personal lives, but even in the word of God sometimes, we overlook some elements of the stories that they went through. We talk about all the time about Moses going to deliver the children of Israel out of slavery. And we say God used Moses to deliver his children out of Egypt. But sometimes we don't always highlight the fact that when Moses was born, he was born at a time where they were killing babies in his age range. And the reality of it is, is he should have died. The odds were against him. 
but somehow by God's grace and his mercy the Bible would just say if God before you well then who can be against you even the things that were meant to kill you somehow God can twist it around and turn it in our favor we talk about in the Bible a famous character named Jacob and his name got changed to Israel but sometimes in that story we overlook after his wrestling match that he had he must have been a strong man after all that happened the Bible says he was hidden aside and in fact it affected the way he would have to have walked for the rest of his life he was a man who was walking with a limp. But can I tell you this afternoon that even though he was limping, he was still living. Even though he was limping, somehow by God's grace and his mercy, he said, you know what, I, I might have a limp, but a limp just means that I'm still standing. Maybe you're here this afternoon and maybe you're limping emotionally. Maybe you're limping spiritually. Maybe you got issues in your family that's making you limp. And maybe if we're honest, it took everything inside of you to get to the service this afternoon. Can I talk to somebody to tell you? Can I talk to a young person to tell you? Don't overlook the fact that even though you're still limping, sometimes God does his greatest works out of weak places so you might be whipping limping emotionally but the fact that you're still standing is a testimony that God's still in control someone say I'm still standing and so in the story we read today about John the Baptist John is a very interesting character in the Bible. He precedes, as we all know, the Messiah that is to come. He's going with the word of God to tell people that Jesus is the one. He spends all his life preparing people for that reality that Jesus is the one. But in the text we read today, as we saw, John begins to doubt his own confession. What do we do in moments when life circumstances can get so strong that our fears seem to triumph our faith? And it feels like the storms of life are more strong than what God's Spirit has spoken to us. Have you ever been in a place where worry triumphed your worship. And you say, I want to give God worship. And the songs say, I speak the name of Jesus. But you say, if you only knew what I'm going through, you'd understand why it's hard for me to worship. What do we do in moments when people we trust betray us, say things about us, lie on us? And it feels so hard to come together as a body and we're worshiping, but it feels like we got wounds in our backs. It's funny because John spends his life telling people he's the one and now he's doubting 
his own profession. Life can get you there sometimes. Where you testify about God's goodness, but then you find yourself in a circumstance that is outside your control. And it makes you say, God never spoke anything to me in the first place. But it's interesting, Brother Braden, that when God takes John the Baptist in the first century times, he, he brings him to share this message. And I find it very interesting where God decides to bring him to. He, he doesn't bring him to the temple or the synagogue. Now, remember that in the first century times, throughout the New Testament, you can check it out, every time most places where the word of God was shared, it was shared in a synagogue or in a temple. Every Sabbath day, the Jewish people would gather together in the synagogue to hear the word of God. But when God decides to use the man to foresee his own coming, he doesn't bring him to a synagogue. He doesn't even bring him to a temple. He brings him to a wilderness. Now it's very interesting, the selection of location, because I don't know about you, I, that's not that exciting. A wilderness? I've never heard someone say, it's a smile, I'm in a wilderness season. We'd say there's something wrong with that person. A, a will? Maybe some of the people here love the wilderness. I don't know. I, I, I don't hear much. many people saying, I'm going on my favorite vacation spot. Where are you going? Well, the wild. Like, okay, have, may the Lord bless you and keep you and his favor be upon you and no weapon formed against you shall prosper. And The wilderness, in fact, in, in the Bible, the wilderness is a significant place. The children of Israel stay in the wilderness because they disobey God and it delays their promise and they were supposed to go into the promised land, but because of their disobedience, they're in a dead place in the wilderness. A wilderness is dead. A wilderness is dry. There's not a lot of life in the wilderness. But God kicks off the New Testament and takes John the Baptist and brings him to a dead place. Just to show you and I that his word is not affected by an atmosphere. He takes a man, he gives him his word, and then he brings him to a dead place. To show you and I that when his word gets involved, a dead place can become a living place. Can I talk to someone this afternoon? Maybe you feel like you're in a dead place emotionally. You're in a dead place spiritually. Can I tell you this afternoon uh, that it only takes one word uh, from the throne room of God uh, to jump into your dead place uh, and all of a sudden uh, your dead place uh, can become uh, a living place. Maybe you got some backsliders in your family and you say, that situation is dead. Can I tell you that we serve a God who's an expert out of dead situations. Dead people. Dead situations. God says, my power works best out of dead things. 
I remember, and I shared a few stories earlier today. I remember I had a friend by the name of Stephen. He, 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 he was known as, at the time, if I can use churchy lingo or language, he was like the district superintendent of party animals. If that works. It's sound doctrine, I hope. He, he was the leader of, if people wanted to know where to go crazy, they would reach out to Stephen. But I'll never forget, after we had graduated, all the things life went on, and I'll never forget Stephen one day reached out to me. And he said, Amani, I remember you used to talk about Jesus back in the day. He said, if you wouldn't mind, he said, I'd love to get on a call and, and do a Bible study with you. Now, at the time when he was contacting me, Stephen left the greatest province in the world, which I think is called Ontario. I'm not sure. That's what I heard. And he went to a school called St. FX University. And he went there because here's what he said. He he was going to go have more partying time in university. So that's how he picked a school, where he could party the most. But in the midst of all that, something devastating happened in his family. And he said, Imani, if you wouldn't mind, he said, I want to learn about God again. Can you begin to teach me Bible study? So we started talking about God again. And we started talking about receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost again. And, and one day at midnight where he was at, he was on a Zoom call with myself. I was in Ottawa. He was over there in, in Nova Scotia. And we were doing a Bible study together right there in the middle of his campus. Can I tell you, over the Zoom call in his dormitory room, he lifted up his hands. We began to pray together and God filled him with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And he began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit. Spirit of God gave the utterance. You say, why are you sharing that? Can I tell you? Don't ever write anybody off by saying they're too dead, they're too dry. It only takes one word from the throne room of God. Let me talk to a young person. You say my high school's too dead for revival. You say my campus is too messed up. People are trying all types of things. Can I tell you, you they haven't tried the best thing just yet. There's no dead thing that our God cannot resurrect. And so we go to my text in Matthew 11, if you can put it up there on the screen, walking through the story. The Bible says that John the Baptist is in prison. He's in prison for doing God's work. See, it's one thing if he had been in prison for a good reason. It's another thing when the will of God brings him to a place that brings him bound. Sometimes following God can make us, bring us to circumstances that make us feel bound. But can I tell you what's powerful about this text is, is it didn't matter how long he had been there. Can I tell you the fact that he was still there meant there was still something God had for him. See, some things, sometimes the greatest attack we can give the enemy, sometimes people all the time want to cast the devil out. And I, I have no problem with that. I think that's needed. It's in the word of God. But, but can I tell you what messes with the devil sometimes even more is 
after everything that you have gone through, after all the diagnosis, after all the betrayals, after all the sickness in your body, after all the problems and dysfunction in your family, what the devil can't understand is somehow after everything, you make your way to God's house. <laughs> see, see, this afternoon, I'm not talking to people who are defeated. But everybody that I look at that has a heartbeat means there's some destiny that God still has for you. And you say, you don't know how many tears I've cried. You're right, I don't. But can I tell you, the fact that you're still standing means there's something that God has on the inside of you. See, it's easy to worship when all life is going well. You've ever been in a place where you were too blessed to be stressed? Walking on streets of gold. I mean, life was just perfect. I mean, just perfecto. No stress. Hakuna Matata. Everything was going well. It's easy to come into God's house in moments like that. But I'll tell you what messes with hell is after everything that some of us have dealt with, and I'm in the Holy Ghost, I'm talking to someone right here, after everything that you have gone through, somehow you get up in the prayer closet, and you say, you know what? Though he slay me, yet, yet, I will trust him. After everybody who walked out, you say, you know what? The Lord gives and the Lord taketh, but you know what? Blessed be the name of the Lord. And so John is in prison. And verse 2 says, watch this. He, he, the Bible says that he heard the works of Christ while in prison. Let me pause and say this. That's why it matters what we listen to. It was his hearing that sparked a reignition in his faith to go reach out to Jesus. That's why it matters what's on my Spotify. And it matters what's on my Apple Music. I wasn't even planning to go here. But it, it, it amazes me in a generation, and I'm not trying to make light of any of this, but, but it amazes me in a time period where we talk about mental health, and I don't think that's a bad thing. I think we should talk about those conversations. I think they're important, and I think they're necessary to have. And I don't think the church should be silent on it and let the world preach about it because I think we got the answer in the church. And, and I, I don't think there's a problem to go to therapy and go get help. I, I don't think any of those things. But what amazes me in a culture that loves to talk about it is here's what's crazy. If you look at the lyrics in some of this, the music that people are pumping in their ears, calling yourself depressed in the songs saying I'm suicidal I want to commit suicide and then we wonder why we struggle with it we wonder why we have a pandemic over morality when we listen to a song promoting it all the time it matters what I'm listening to and let's just get out of music can I tell you as well it matters who I'm on that FaceTime audio call with at 10.30 p.m. at night. 
What I let in my ear can either make me or break me. And so John, as spiritually strong as he was, someone came and spoke to him about the works of Christ. So let's not play this game that I'm so spiritual, it doesn't matter what I listen to. So John, he hears the works of Christ. And so he says, he goes, sends two of his disciples. The verse 3 says, here's what his disciples have the nerve to ask Jesus. They go, Jesus, we don't hear any hesitation in the text. We, all we know is they go pretty boldly. They say, are you the one? Or should we look for another? Jesus, this message is sent to you by the man who told everybody that you were the one. It's amazing sometimes how we can have faith for others, but not enough faith for ourselves. I don't want to beat on on John here because I found myself in the same situation sometimes. When someone else is sick, I call him and say, listen, by the authority of the word of God, and I speak it in Jesus, speak it, speak it till you see it in Jesus' name. When I get sick, a headache, I Google it. Maybe I'm the only one who's done this. Headache, symptoms, cancer, oh no. The amount of times I've convinced myself I have cancer or I'm about to have a heart attack is, is crazy. And then during COVID, everything was COVID. It, it was crazy. It was like, you know, I, I, I'm feeling tired, COVID. I, I hurt my foot when I was outside. Yeah, I know, but that's COVID. But, how, yeah, it, it just is, okay? But <laughs> I'm getting annoyed and frustrated. Ooh, anxiety. Yeah, see, see the particles inside it, that's that's a it's a covid strain that's that's it's the, it's the really yeah, yeah that just just covid but faith for everybody else but not enough faith for myself when somebody else makes a mistake we go listen listen a righteous man can fall down seven times and you know what you'll get back up again we make a mess up you say i'm finished god can't do anything for me Grace for others, but not enough grace for ourselves. This is John the Baptist. It's amazing how sometimes we are the experts at other people's problems, but novices when it comes to our own. It's funny how life works that way. Okay, I tell us, everyone's been in a situation that's humbled you to realize that without Jesus, we are nothing. And so... Verse 4 comes, and he says, Jesus responds back to him. He responds back to John the Baptist. And he says, go and tell John this. Here's what you need to go tell him. Verse 5, tell John that the blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear. Now it's amazing because at the beginning of John the Baptist's ministry, Jesus met him face to face. But near to the later on in his life, Jesus doesn't show up to him. All he does is send him a word. Because sometimes the only thing that will keep you is his word. 
You may not see his hand, but can I tell you, his word will carry you day after day after day. It's so important we get this principle because when God speaks a word over our lives, he does not speak it to us in time. He speaks to us in eternity. The Bible will just say this, thy word is settled in heaven. So we cannot define God's word based off our circumstances because God's not limited by time and space. So when God says something to you, we better confess it until we see it come to pass. That means if you've got a backslidden older sibling over your life, you confess it till you see God bring them home. And you say, you know what, it may not look like it now, but God never operated based off the visible anyways. He always operated by his word, and I'm going to speak it until I see exactly what God's word says I can see. Let's just pause right now and just pray in the Holy Ghost together. Let's just pray. I'm not done yet, but let's just pray in the Holy Ghost. Let's speak some things over our lives right now. Let's speak over our lives right now. Someone get bold in the Holy Ghost over a promise from God that he's spoken over your life, that he's spoken over your family, that he's spoken over your body, that he's spoken over your mind. Someone begin to speak to your high school right now that you're going back to on Monday and say, I will see revival here. I'll speak it. Something's happening. I, I'm believing it. We're going to keep speaking it for just a few moments. Come on. Whatever promise God's spoken to your heart over this weekend. If you're a young person, you have problems in your family. I want you to speak peace in your home right now before you get home. I want you to speak the word of God right now. I want you to speak life over your family. I want you to speak life over your depression. I want you to speak life over your suicidal thoughts. I want you to speak it. And so, in the story today, in the story today, Jesus speaks the word to John. Now, I want you to watch this. It's the last point in this message today. Everyone say amen. <laughs> he speaks to John a word. But if you know the story well, you know, you say, I already know all this is. This is a reference to the book of Isaiah. He's not just speaking to John anything. He's speaking to him a fulfilled messianic prophecy from the book of Isaiah. Let's go to Isaiah chapter 35. And let's look at this for just a moment here. Isaiah 35, verses 5 to 6. Jesus is quoting two passages of Scripture from what we just read. He's quoting Isaiah 35 and verse 5 to 6, which we'll read in just a second. 
And he's also quoting Isaiah 61 verse 1. Isaiah 35 verse 5 says, Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, and the ears of the deaf shall be in stop. Verse 6, Then shall the lame man leap as a heart, and the, dumb, the tongue of the dumb sing. For in the wilderness shall waters break out and streams in the desert. So Jesus, he's quoting a messianic prophecy that's concealed in the Old Testament to show John that he is the messianic fulfillment of those prophecies, to answer his question that he's the one. Then go to Isaiah 61 verse 1. It, it says, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to them that are bound. I want you to watch. Here's something really crazy about these two texts. Isaiah has a list of messianic prophecies. Jesus repeats them. If you go back to Matthew verses, chapter 11, verses 5, you'll notice that there's one thing that Isaiah just said there in Isaiah 61 that's not mentioned in Matthew 11. The opening of the prison to them that are bound. Now just time out in the story, half time. Just time out, 30-second time out. Here's what's crazy to me. As I was studying this text out, John the Baptist is in prison. Jesus quotes back Old Testament messianic prophecies about his ministry and even touches on the chapter that mentions the opening of prisons. And he doesn't say a word about prisons when he quotes it back to John. Why in the world would you omit the one part that applies to my life? <laughs> Have you ever been in a place where God feels silent and he's answering the prayers of others but not the prayers of our own? Huh. But look at Matthew 11 verse 5 carefully again. Just one more time. There's no mention there at all of prisons being freed, prisoners being freed. And John the Baptist is in prison. But instead of talking about prisons, Jesus says something that's also not in Isaiah. He leaves out prisons. But here's what he says. The dead are raised up. There was no mention of the dead being raised up in Isaiah. But Jesus gives a fresh revelation to John in this verse. Can I tell you, if you know how the story of John ends, it's not a happily ever ending story. His head's chopped off. He loses his life. Can I tell you that Jesus knew the end from the beginning of John's life. And while Herod has him in prison in the natural, can I tell you that there's a message here to John. That John, you know what? Herod might think he have the victory down here. And you know what? The prisons might have you locked down here. But John, there's another prison. It's been binding people for years and years and years. 
and its name is death. But John, I got some good news. They're going to put me on a cross. But three days later, I will conquer death, hell, and the grave. So John, while Herod might think he has the last word, I've come to tell you, Herod does not know what I got planned for him. He might kill you down here, but one day, John, I will raise you right back up again. Let's stand and music and come back. Ha. My goodness. I'm here this afternoon to talk to someone, a young person, maybe an adult. I've come to encourage someone here today. Well, I didn't come to encourage you. Who cares what I have to say? But I feel God wants to encourage someone here today. Talking to someone here today. See, sometimes I've learned in church, we can be some of the greatest actors in the world. And I'll make the statement. I think, this is my opinion, I think that image-oriented Christianity is the greatest hindrance to deliverances in our lives. The concern to keep up an appearance when we're dying on the inside. And what's the point of convincing everybody else that everything's okay when you know in yourself that you're dying on the inside? Can't nobody help you if you don't open up about it. And you'll never get true healing and deliverance until you get honest before God. Even if other people are whispering about it and saying, look at so-and-so, because I can tell you this, everybody's got something in their lives that isn't perfect. We're humans. So I'm here to talk to someone here today. Let's close our eyes. Music can begin to play. And I'm just going to minister in the Holy Ghost here. I like having good church. I, I was going to preach a different message tonight, but I, as I came here, I just felt God wants to speak this to someone here tonight. I, I like having good church, like jumping up and down, but I didn't come and do that tonight. I, I want to talk talking to a young person tonight, talking to an adult, talking to, I don't know, people in ministry. I, I don't know who it is, but I'm talking to people tonight. I don't know what you've been going through over the last little while. I feel the Holy Ghost about to break something in this place right now. <laughs> this is not an emotional message either to get an emotional response. I'm talking to people in the Holy Ghost. You know who you are. You know what you've been dealing with. I'm talking to you about the tears that have fallen down your face night after night. And you say, God, when's it going to stop? When will I see something new coming? Have you ever been in a place where you've, you've cried so many tears that there's not enough tear ducts anymore left to cry? And you're in the will of God. You're where you're supposed to be. But you're so tired and weary. I'm talking to some young people here tonight. 
I'm talking to some people here tonight. You're here in church. But you've thought of giving up. I've come to tell you tonight in the Holy Ghost, you hear me. Don't give up. Don't give up. It may have been a long time. But I still believe that they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. open up this altar. I'm going to ask everyone if you want to come up front here tonight. We're going to pray. I'm going to invite you to open up this altar. We're going to pray tonight. We're going to begin to pray. Come on. I'm talking to those who are so weary. Maybe you're in ministry, but if you're honest, you're weary. I'm talking to people in the Holy Ghost tonight. It's time to get honest in this altar. There's an anointing in this place for those who are still standing. It's not over. Let's begin to pray right now. God's ministering to people. Let's begin to pray. Let's begin to pray right now. God, I, right now I break the influence of pride in this altar call that will stop someone from getting a touch from you. God, there are people here who are so tired and so wearisome. But God, tonight in the Holy Ghost, let there be a breaking of pride that says, God, you know what? It's time I get the help I need. Pouring out to everybody else. And you say, God, what about me? Young person, you've been struggling in your mind. You've been struggling with suicidal thoughts. Come on, let's keep praying. But we're gonna keep, we're gonna break some things in this altar call tonight. You've been you've been maybe you're in leadership positions. You're 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 leading at your local church. You're doing things, but but if you're honest, you're so tired and broken on the inside. It's time to get honest. There's a story. I want everyone to look at me for just one more moment. There's a story in the New Testament Jesus gives. It's a story I've been really reading over and over again recently. It's about a tax collector and a Pharisee. The Bible says the Pharisee comes to God and says, God, thank you that you didn't make me like that, those sinners. He's saying, God, thank you that, that I'm not like these people here and I, I'm, so, I'm so righteous. And if you know the story, Jesus goes on to continue on. He says, but then there was, a, there was a cheating tax collector who had terrible reputations. See, sometimes we're scared of healing because we're scared of the shame that comes with it. Let me talk to someone and tell you, it is not a shame to be weary. 
and it is not ashamed to be struggling. And it is not a sh- the church should be the safest place where you can come and say, God, you know what? <laughs> I need you. The church should be the last place of condemnation. It should be the first place of reconciliation. The tax collector. See, he had nothing to lose. He didn't have a good, he didn't have a good reputation. He didn't, he didn't care. See, sometimes it's those with the greatest reputations that would suffer silently. But I'm tired of seeing people and talking to people suffering silently in the kingdom of God. It is time to get to a place where we say, you know what? I may be hurting, but God has a healing for me. And he's going to meet me right where I am tax collector and we're going to pray again but he just the Bible says he doesn't even look towards heaven he didn't care he just got honest honesty is the first step to healing (laughs) he says God I'm a sinner (laughs) have mercy on me I'm not going to push his altar call anymore we're going to begin to sing but I'm going to talk to someone here as we close our eyes again. We're going to pray. Someone in this place, I, I don't know who I'm talking to, but I want to tell you it's okay to get honest right now and open up your mouth and tell God how you really feel. It doesn't mean that you're in sin. It doesn't mean that you walked away from Him. But it's okay to say, God, I need your mercy right now. I'm struggling, God, in my mind. God, I'm dealing with low self-esteem and I don't like myself. And God, God, can you move in my mind? Can I see myself the way you see me, God? Let's begin to pray right now. We can begin to sing. Let's begin to get honest in this altar call right now. Someone get a hold of God right now. Get honest. there's anxiety falling off right now in Jesus name thank you for joining us today if you want more information connect with us on our website at missionpoint.ca God bless you